Welcome, everybody, to another great podcast from the Crystal River Church of God. Whether you're on your way to work, on your lunch break, or even taking a jog, our prayer for you is that this helps you to find focus for living. We truly hope you enjoy this message live from CRCOG. Amen. In the book of Jeremiah, if you're there, say amen. amen. Jeremiah 29 Verse number 11, everybody knows this verse if you've been in church any length of time. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to, for welfare, not, not, not to get on welfare, but plans for your welfare. And not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Hey, let me just stop right here in case he's watching. Because um, last Wednesday, I told you that I... Talked to my friend who reached out to me for I hadn't talked to him in 25 years. Well, he reached out on Facebook Messenger, and we were texting back and forth. And I said, "Man, give me a call," and he he didn't do it. So Thursday, when I'm driving to Mobile, I texted him again and said, "Hey, I'm driving to Mobile. Why don't you give me a call?" Long story short, he called me. Some of the things that I felt in my spirit were correct. Make a long story short, he said, "Ronnie," he said, "I'm tired of living." The life that I'm living. He said, I've got to make a change. And I said, man, you don't know me really because you haven't been around me for 25 years. I said, but the only advice I can give you is from a scriptural perspective. I said, the more that my life aligns with the word of God, the less drama I have in my life. And I said, you can have that too. He said, Ronnie, that's what I want. And so I led him in the sinner's prayer. He was crying. I was crying. Albert, so proud of you, man. If you're watching tonight, he was in Oklahoma. Uh, he was crying. I was crying. I think I wrecked four, four or five cars on the interstate. Uh, but, you know, God got to take care of them. Uh, I'm kidding on that part. But, uh, but it was just a wonderful time in the Lord, man. You know, God is in the, on the move. You know, in the midst of this crisis, people are looking for hope. And what did my wife tell us we were? Hope dealers. So that's what we got to be, man. Hope dealers. Deal with hope. So he goes, I have a plan for you, not a calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. I don't know, man. That just gets me. That God listens to me when I pray. That God listens to me when I call on him. And then he said, you will seek me, and you will find me, when you search for me with all of your heart. Now my question a couple of weeks ago is, how many of us are really seeking God with all of our heart? And I'm talking to Christians. Because the ultimate fulfillment of our God-given passions will be fulfilled and can only be truly fulfilled when we get to heaven. But nobody's living there right now. Why? Because I have neighbors. I have people who drive a truck but don't know how to get out of the, out of the through lane in the dadgum Dunkin' Donut. I had to tell one of them today, if you don't know how to drive a big boy truck, get out of it. You don't have to go to the other lane just to make a turn. Whew. He was testing my sanctification before coffee this morning. When we get over there, there will be a perfect world. 
We'll be our perfect selves. We'll know perfect love. And we'll accomplish perfectly our purpose. But that's then we live here and now. But we're still commanded to be fruitful and multiply here on this earth. So my question is, are we doing that? If you don't have purpose, you know, when my friend Albert called me, he said, Ronnie, I'm sitting in the, in the truck stop of, uh, of a pilot store in Oklahoma, and I, hell, I do not know what to do. I don't have any direction. I don't have anywhere to go. I don't know what to do. I am directionless. See, loneliness is not the absence of people. It's the absence of purpose. And until you begin to learn your purpose, don't come to me asking me, I didn't create you, I don't know. But until you learn your purpose, you're never going to be completely fulfilled. But here's what I can tell you. Why don't you start by serving humanity, serving your fellow man, and get the ball rolling because it's always easier to steer a moving car than one that's sitting still. So, We should live with a passion for the world to come, but we should live out our faith with a passion in the world that we are in now. Last time I I preached this, uh, well, I started it. Here's what I told you about passion. Skills are cheap, but passion is priceless. The most successful people follow passion, not paychecks. Allow your passion to become your purpose, and one day it will become your profession. Everyone that accomplishes any success on any level must have passion. Now listen to me. I, I used to run a Wendy's, so I know what it is to, to uh, uh, deal with passionless people about their job. It's hard to get passionate about cooking fries. Right? But, however, let me just say this, that cooking fries ought not be your ultimate end game. That ought to be an introductory job that you get excited about because you get a paycheck. Good preaching, Pastor. And then you move there a little further. But, I, you know, I love to go to a drive-thru, and I did it just the other day, and this person was so perky. How many loves to go through a drive-thru and they go, may I have your order? And then you come around to the side and they go, don't say anything. And then they say, you give them, your, your, your order's 50 or 551 and you give them 601. I'm going to make some enemies right here, but I need to be paid $15 an hour. But anyway, let me move on. And I just help them, 50 cent, baby, 50 cent. That's all you owe me, 50 cent. Well, I got I got to figure this out <laughs> and pull a calculator out, y'all. <laughs> oh my lord! So you know, but I but the other day I went through the drive-through and they, were, hey man, have you ordered? I go, hey, I like this. And I got around to the corner and, and they they gave my order and, and 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 forgot something, but they were very nice. Hey, so sorry I forgot that in your order. And I told him, I go, now you're gonna go somewhere. You keep it up, you're gonna run this place because that's passion. And you can't teach passion. However, passion is contagious. Did you hear that? Passion is contagious, but you can't teach it. 
Now, so everyone that accomplishes anything has to have some kind of level of passion. So what is passion? And help me go through this, uh, Charlie, but not faster than I want to go. What is passion? It's an intense drive, motivation, desire, interest, or inclination. Basically, it is living with vision. Living of what you want to accomplish. You're never going to go anywhere until you envision where you want to be. you got to envision where you want to be. You know, I, 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 we, we have Peace University here. We teach it several times or at least once or twice a year. And one of the things that Dave Ramsey says, that in order to live like nobody's going to live in the future, you got to live like nobody's living now, which means within your means. Let me move on before I get I don't want anything thrown at me. The devil wants to do two things to you. He wants to kill your passion. If he can kill your passion, because he understands if he can do this, the result is depression. And he wants to keep you in a state of depression. Maybe not, you know, some, when I was growing up, everybody talked about the devil wanting to possess you. I disagree with that. The devil don't want to possess you. All he wants to do is control you. And many people he can control without ever possessing. He can control you by your day. He can control you by a truck not knowing how to turn. Come on. I'm preaching to myself. The devil wants to kill your passion. The Bible said where there is no vision, the people perish. They cast off restraint. It's the vision that you have that keeps you in the banks of a river. It's your vision that, you know, I want to have groceries, so I'm not going to spend too much money on trinkets and toys. I want to have electricity, so I can't just go out and eat all the time. Anybody listening to me? Uh, and so that's the vision. The vision is, is forward-looking, and it looks, as, it looks down the road that says, I can have this, but i got to have some restraint, but i got to have passion. If the devil can't kill your passion, his plan B is to refocus your passion. And that's where a lot of people are. They, everybody has passion. If you come to me and go, I don't have any passion. And I met people like that. I met a few people. They don't get excited about nothing. And they are the most boringest people on the planet. You know, I love, if you've ever given my wife a gift, you love to give her gifts. Because it's like watching a kid. Y'all saw her up here? You know? Now, I, I haven't been speechless, and, I, and I've thanked you multiple times already, but thank you for pastor appreciation. My mouth dropped open because I couldn't believe that what, what was going on. But my wife was, ah, 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 ah. I mean, she's like a little kid. So, I don't know, it might be a ploy on her part, so I'll keep giving her gifts. Because I like giving her gifts when it ain't her birthday, when it ain't something. Because I like to see her reaction. She's probably playing me. I know you're watching. <laughs> but what the enemy wants you to do is focus your passion away from God. Because everybody has passion. I mean, we can name some things we're passionate about. You know, football, us guys. Some of you are passionate about hunting. You know, some of you are passionate about fishing. Some, some you know, uh, listen, women, if you want your husbands to go shopping with you, give them something to hunt for. I'm being for real. Tell your husband, I'm looking for this in this color and in this size. All right. All right. That's why you ain't married. (laughs) 
Women, I'm, I'm trying to help you. All right? Now, that ain't going to last but about 30 minutes. Because if we can't find it, it ain't in here. We need to move to another store. New fishing hole. But what the devil normally does, man, is he gets your passions away from God. You know, look, I know people who are passionate about horses. People who are passionate about dogs. People who are passionate about cats. Sick people. Listen, I love cats. They're delicious. People, I'm just kidding. I've never ate a cat that I know of. I don't eat Chinese restaurants. Anyway, man, I'm making everybody mad tonight. Hallelujah. I'm just making everybody mad. I'm offending everybody. But, but, but whatever it is you're passionate about, that's, you know, you, you are passionate about something. If, I, if I'm dealing with a couple in premarital uh, and, and they're not passionate, I wonder if they really want to get married. Or if they're just in love with the experience of being married. And then when you get married, you're not in love with the experience of being married. you got to be in love with the person you married. Let me move on. Number two, personal evaluation. I don't know if I got here last time or not. Personal evaluation. What does that mean, Pastor? What about you? Do you have passion in your life? That's where you've got to ask the question. What am I passionate about? You know, I can talk to you for a little while. If I carry on a 30-minute to an hour conversation with, I'll figure out what you're passionate about. Why? Because you're going to talk about it. You're going to talk about it. You, if you give people the time to talk, unless they're a non-talker, if both of y'all just sit there and stare at each other. But, you know, but guys, we can do that, right? We can go fishing. Be in the boat six hours with each other. Never say a word. Usually when you say this, ready? Yep. But that's what us dudes do. We say hello and goodbye by not even saying anything. Everybody knows what's, what's up. When you're leaving, right? But, but talk to them and you'll find out what they're passionate about. Do you have a passion? If so, where is it focused? You know what revival is? Revival is just restored passion. You come in, have a good revival service. You come in, God touch you. All of a sudden, you fired up. You're ready to be John the Baptist. And it's only because you, you restored your passion. That's all that happens. And when people, when, oh, I'm going to get in trouble here. But how, how do we keep godly passion? Can I tell you? The problem with so many people in our area is they're suffering from a lack of God-passionate people. Well, I don't want to be fanatical. You know what a fanatic is? A fanatic is somebody who believes in something more than you do. Now, I know some fanatics, but there are some fanatics I'd like to be like them. Amen? They believe in it more than you do. How do we get passionate, godly passion and keep it well, you get godly passion by first of all, the new birth. All things have been passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So the Bible says that you can have passion. But look through history. Passion is maintained by walking with the passionate. If Listen, if all you do is you're around a bunch of wet blankets, that's what you're going to be. How, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't point at anybody. They're probably not here on a Wednesday night. But have you ever been around church people and they go, well, don't get too radical. You know, or how about this one? It'll wear off. 
35 years later, it hadn't wore off. I'm still passionate about God. Why? Because he keeps blowing my mind. I'm still passionate about what he's done in my life, what he's going to do in my life, what he's going to do in your life. I'm still passionate. It's not a fad. It's not, it's not something I'm going through. It's something I do. It's something I am. I am a child of God. I am born again by the blood of Jesus. My sins have been forgiven, and I'm on my way to heaven. I'm excited about that. Amen? But who we associate with will be the greatest impact upon our passion. My brother said to me one time, he said, man, all you talk about is God. Or he said, no, you didn't. He said, you talk about God a lot. I go, that's the thing I'm most passionate about. Right? You know, listen, I, you know, I'm, I'm new to this grandpa scene, right? But how many, how many grand, grandparents? You know, you start talking pretty soon. Man, man let me show you mine. Right? You'll you get the pictures out, start showing. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're a, a mom and a dad, you know, you, you have a new child. Man, let me show you my new baby. All of them look like little monkeys. <laughs> all shriveled up. No, no, not my, not my baby. No, when they're first born, all of them look like monkeys. They're all ugly. <laughs> Except for my two children. <laughs> you're starting to get this thing called passion. Because passion is really in the eye of the beholder. Passion is what's going on inside of you. Passion. You know, my daughter, my daughter uh, Lauren, she's a school teacher. She makes me sick sometimes. She told me, she told me uh, yesterday, she goes, Dad, this weekend I've read nine books. And I'm like, I haven't read nine books all year. I mean, I've read portions of nine books, but I haven't finished. Nine. She makes me sick. But she's passionate about reading. We, we left, this is just, just something. We left Mobile one day, and it's an eight-hour drive. And we left. She bought a new book with 783 pages. Before we got home, she had had that whole book read. I said, I can't stay. I'd have had three pages read. Why? Because I'm reading, and the passion is maintained by walking with, what was that? Wow, that was. With the passion. How many know what I'm talking about? Those who lose passion, listen to this carefully. Those who lose passion usually have isolated themselves or they associate with people who beat them down. You ever been excited about stuff? You come tell somebody and go, well, I wouldn't do that if I was you. You finally got some passion and they talk you out of it. A believer who gets their passion misdirected is usually associating with those who have misdirected passion. You know, why, why do we sing the way we do? Because we're passionate about worship. We're passionate about praise. You know, we, we need to be careful to eliminate those influences as much as possible from our lives. That's why it's so important for the believer to stay connected to the body. Because I'm telling you, you know, uh, uh, Debbie was telling me earlier, right before service, you know, she had surgery. She'd been, she, she came like two days after she had brain surgery, uh, 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 and, and, but she overdid it because, I don't, you know, because somebody's stubborn. I'm not going to say she is, but, but she overdid it. So she had to be out of church for three or four weeks, and she told me, she goes, oh, pastor, it just ain't the same being online because you're not connected. You're connected as much as you can, as much as possible. But there's just something about coming together with the body of Christ and loving and shaking and worshiping and doing life together. 
Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things that make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. Once a week is not enough for me. Let me tell you, let me tell you the national average. The national average through, uh, four years ago, maybe five, was if you came to church two times, not in a row, not so, two times a month, you considered yourself a regular church attender. Five years later, it's once every six months. I'm not kidding. So, you know, I, I was saying, somebody was watching the, uh, on Facebook, somebody was watching our, our service, and they took a picture of me up here preaching, and she said, I just love my church. And then, and, and the person who put that on there, if you know who you are, you ain't been in like a year. But then somebody commented on her and said, what church is that? And so she said, Crystal River Church of God. And the person commented and said, oh, that's my church. You can't recognize me, baby. It's been way too long since you've come to church. I'm just saying, and if I hurt your feelings, you've got to forgive me if, you, if this is your church. I mean, ain't that something? What church is that? It's me. I'm up here. It was only me. Oh, that's my church. I, I'd been at this church for 12 years. A man walked through the back door over here at the little church, and he walked in on a Sunday night, and, and, and so I introduced myself to him. He goes, yeah, I've been wanting to meet you. He said, I'm a member here. I said, you ain't been here in 12 years, bro. Oh, my name's still on the roll. I go, no, it ain't. I took it off. And he had the audacity to get mad. I cannot believe you took my name off the roll. Well, you ain't been here in 12 years. You ain't gave a dollar or a dime or a penny. You ain't even been here. We could have moved and closed down. You wouldn't have known it. Amen. Passionate. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea where I'm at right now. <laughs> Romans, thank you. Focus, focus, focus. Is, is, that, is, that enough to get, is that enough to get anybody? The one thing that you know, that's what you used to use. Yeah. The one thing about Christianity you know is that it's in the New Testament. Is that enough to make anybody else mad? I'm still mad about the 12 years. Aggravating. So... How do I stay passionate, Pastor? Well, you've got, to, you've got to be with passionate people. And the most passionate person in history is Jesus. Not just biblically, in history. Why? Because he died for you and I. That's got to be passionate. You know, I, I've, I've heard, listen, I've heard pastors go, I'll die for you. I ain't dying for none of y'all. Y'all can, be, y'all, y'all can listen to a lie if you want to. Now, there's a couple I'll die for, but they're, in the, they're back there like my daughter. And I ain't going to let none of y'all kill me either. <laughs> now, you know, I might take a, take a punch for you, but I ain't going to die for you. Especially when I know you're guilty, but let me move on. <laughs> you must stay connected. If you stop praying, if you stop worshiping, If you stop 
looking and studying God's Word, I promise you, you'll lose godly passion. But let me tell you something. You know, here's what I, I, told, the, I told the worship team last night. We was here having practice. And I said, prayer will never take the place of praise. And praise will never take the place of prayer. You got to have both of it. And guess what? Those don't take the place of Bible reading and study. I'm sorry. You know, because here's the deal. If, if you've got all the word but you don't have any, any, any spirit, you get puffed up. You get haughty because I know the word. Well, why, why do you know the word? Because, just because you want to fuss and fight, right? If you know the word, if you know the word so well, it'll lead you to the spirit. But then if all you know is the spirit and you know word, then you flaky. Because then you start living life by what you feel, and that's not of God. you got to live life by what the Word of God says. It doesn't matter the way I feel. i got to, I got to obey the Word of God. And if I obey the Word of God, it'll change the way that I'm feeling. Good preaching. I, I can't just say, well, I feel like this is right. No, I have to know that it's right. Because my heart and my feeling can be deceptive. Point number three is this. Okay. Some devices to keep us from God. Focused passion. <coughs> Number one, fear. I think I got about five or six of these, but I won't, I won't, I won't hit them long. Fear. Fear will keep you from God focused passion. Fear of getting too, fear of getting, you know, I, I don't want to be overboard. I, I don't want to become, I, I don't want to be a Miss Bobby. I do. Well, I don't really want to be a Miss Bobby, God, Mr. Bobby, maybe. But you understand what I'm saying? You, well, you know, fear of, well, what if, what will people say about me? What will, what will people say? What will my friends think if I become all churchy? And I hate that word, churchy. But you shouldn't be churchy. You should have a relationship with God that causes you to go to church and to worship the King of Kings. But I'm not churchy. I'm not even religious. But I have a relationship with God. Mark 5 and 15 says, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. You know, I'm going to hit this real quick too. So we just got through with Halloween, you know, a few a week ago or so. And everybody, you know, everybody wants to dress up like a demon and everything like that. But yet when the demon really happens in a Pentecostal church, you get all freaked out. <gasps> Don't play with it, baby. You know, my, 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 I got a niece that slept in her parents' room till she was 12. I wonder why they didn't have any more children. But they did it because she started watching horror movies at a young age and was afraid to go to her own room. Hear me now. I watch psychos all the time. I, I don't care, you know, scary movies that are psychos. Yeah. Why? Because I know some of them. I pastor some of them. Some of my best members. Some of my elders. Ain't that right, Clayton? That don't bother me. But I ain't going to watch no demonic stuff because I know how real that is. And I'm not going to invite. I fight enough devils on my own. Just by doing what's right, I'm not going to invite that mess and open my gates of my eyes to that mess and let it come into my life. So they were afraid 
And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And they were afraid and they began to pray for him to depart. What happened is he delivered this guy. He told all the demons to go into the swine. The swine ran off the cliff and drowned. And then they were mad and afraid. Sometimes we don't want deliverance. Sometimes we don't want to get free. Because sometimes our issue is our personality. One of Satan's greatest weapons to kill or misdirect our passion is fear. There's only one good fear, and that is the fear of the Lord. And I'm not talking about afraid. I'm talking about a fear. There's two types of fear. The fear is a respect of the Lord. I don't want my children to, re- to, to uh, fear me when I walk into the room, but I do want them to revere me when I walk into the room. So, you got to have a godly fear of the Lord. Every other fear is a phobia from the devil. Did you hear that? Every phobia is a fear is, is of the devil. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You need to quote that when you become afraid. If, 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 if uh, stuff starts clouding your mind and clouding your spirit, tell it, I, I, I don't have a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I've told this story multiple times with my daughter, Lauren, the first time we ever went on a roller coaster. When that thing went click, she looked at me and she said, for the Lord hath not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and to sound right. Ain't that right, my daddy? I go, that's right, baby. We get to the top, she looked at me again. For the Lord hath not given me a spirit of fear. Amen. Learn how to quote the word of God. Because fear, listen to me, fear can be a spirit. A demon spirit that will attach and look for a place to build a stronghold in your life. These people had a fear of the unknown. A fear of the supernatural change. So they forfeited everything that Jesus brought because of their fear. If you don't go after him, regardless of what it might cost you, your passion will either die or become misdirected. I know people who come to church, but yet their passion got misdirected. The supernatural will not go forward. All fear keeps us from fulfilling a passion dream. God told Joshua six times in the book of Joshua, be strong and of good courage. There's only two ways to live, faith or fear. Here comes the second one. You ready? Unbelief. Unbelief will cause your passion to die. All fear is unbelief if you really think about it. Mark 6, 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, um, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could not do mighty work save the laid uh, his hands on a few sick folk and healed them and he marveled because of their unbelief people are these folks were suffering from a classic uh, passion killing disease that I want to call God in a box that they want to keep God in a box God that God can only do this because that's what mama said he could do God God can only do this he can't use that person because I know stuff on them I can't use that person because I, I know I, I know what they did last summer. Right? I know what you did. But here's the deal, man. God don't ever check with your critics. 
when he gets ready to bless you or when he gets ready to use you. Thank God. Thank God he don't check with your critics. Amen? The people were suffering from it. They did not consider or believe that God could work or operate outside their logical, well-thought-out, well-discussed context. But Jesus wasn't coming to them in the context of Mary's little boy any longer. These Nazarenes couldn't see that, but Jesus was totally different. So listen, you will lose your godly passion if you keep God in a box that God can't do this. If we place any restrictions on God, we, he will, uh, we will lose our passion. Here comes another one. Boy, this is a hard one. Tradition. Tradition kills passion. But why do we do that? Well, it's just because it's why we always did it. The way we've always done it. Traditions. You know, the, you know what the greatest thing to do with sacred cows is make hamburgers? I mean, traditions are good, but not if they keep you from going to another level with God. We've got to know what a tradition is and what a hindrance is. And sometimes they're one and the same. Uh, Passion is an intense drive forward. Tradition can only see one way, backwards. And I've shared this story many times, Thanksgiving coming up. You was already thinking about it, wasn't you? So there's a story, a true story of a woman that cut off the end of a ham every, or uh, the end of a ham either every Thanksgiving or every Christmas. And one day her mom was there and she goes, Mom, why do we cut off the end of the, of the ham every year? She goes, he goes, you know, I don't know. My mama did it. Let's go ask Grandma. She went out and asked Grandma. Grandma said, I don't know. My mama did it. So great grandma was there. It was Thanksgiving, whatever. And they walked there and said, great grandma, why do we always cut off the end of the ham? She goes, I did that because I didn't have a pan big enough to hold it. So I've wondered how many people have cut off a piece of ham and wasted some ham in your life because you didn't have enough big enough vessel to hold what God was trying to do in your life. Because you didn't have a context. Listen, you know, and you can do that in your own life, in business, in whatever it is, in, in, in leadership. You know, when, when I first started pastoring, I thought the, the most people I could ever pastor would be 100 people. Why? Because that's all my dad ever pastored. So I thought that my limitation was his limitation because of tradition. But then I began to push against that tradition. You know, you've got to recognize that not all tradition is of God, but now not all tradition is bad. It's good to have some traditions. Look back at them. But tradition limits God to only look at which, that which was already done. Well, we thank God for what he used to do. How many people have you talked about, oh, man, I remember we used to have type services. We still have them type services. It's just a little different. You know, I, I've heard talk to older people. Boy, I remember when the sawdust, I don't want to go back to sawdust. Too many people have allergies now. We can't do that. You know, I like air condition. Come on, somebody. And may the power not go out tonight in Jesus' name. In your house and or mine. But I ain't going to lie. I'm kind of praying a little bit more for mine, not yours. God, I'm horrible now tonight. I'm horrible. Welcome back, I heard. Amen. 
God accused the children of Israel with this sin of failure to remember. All right, so some traditions are good. You, but you can remember without making it a tradition. Because we are creatures of habit. But however, the past can do me no good today other than giving me a feeling or a sense of what God can do. Right? So traditions feeds into the natural human desire of the need of habit and structure. It's interesting to me that the root word in the Greek for tradition means to surrender or forfeit. If we all have a tradition, we are surrendering our future and living off of the past. I'm not going to live off the past. How many knows that every once in a while, to really have God-focused passion is like a fire? And, and when I was growing up, we had this wood fireplace, and every few days, I had to take a shovel and get the ashes out of it. Because the ashes would suffocate what was there yesterday. What happened yesterday would suffocate what I was trying to do today. You need the breath of God today for your God-giving passion. Jesus is relevant today. The God that never changes but has a plan and a program for every new day. One of the greatest boxes we use to stop God is we try to bound him up in tradition. Let's not do that. Here comes another one, worldliness. We don't hear about that anymore. Pastor, don't preach about that because all of us are guilty of it. Worldliness. I don't know if it's spelled right, but it's all right. It's not. Should it be an I? Just in case you want to write me a letter. <laughs> the Bible said, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, Mark 10 21. And he was sad at that saying, and went away greed, for he had great possession. Jesus looked around about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they have the riches enter into the kingdom of God? That doesn't mean that you can't enter the kingdom being rich. What it means is that he, had, he loved what he had instead of letting go of what he had to get what he didn't have. You've got to be willing to give up what you have in order to get what you don't have. You know, ask anybody who's sick, what would they give up in order to be well? And ask anybody who is who is, who is suffering and who is, has uh, 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 no purpose, what would they give to have direction? He left this rich young ruler, is what they call him in the Bible, left with his passion gone. Why? Because of the cost of godly passion. You can't have it both ways. You can't have the world passion and then God passion. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Again, what is the plan of the enemy? Kill your passion or misdirect it. And many times it's misdirected with worldliness. Now, you know, uh, uh, and I don't think that worldliness is what it used to mean 50 years ago to those, in, you know, that, that talked about worldliness. I, you know, I was talking about uh, uh, Sister Hazel Turner or, or Hazel Jones got turned out of the church because she looked inside when they were building a skating ring. I know you we all have like, what, huh? Yeah, that's how any basically when I was growing up, if you smiled or laughed, it's probably worldliness. Because in order to go to heaven, you gotta be sad. That's what they taught us. Can't have any fun. And you gotta look like a croaker sack. Some of y'all remember that. How many know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah. <clears throat> Only the old guys. That's right. <laughs> Worldliness. How about this? I'm going to hit you in the eyes. Self-centeredness. I might not have the other one. I don't have the other one. Self-centeredness. That you are so self-centered, it's all about me. And, and if we're not careful, that's what church becomes. Hey, I need prayer, and I'm, I'm, I'm for prayer. We always give an opportunity for prayer. But I need prayer. I need, I need. What, do you have a word for me? What's, what's my prophecy? What's the word of knowledge for me? Me, me, me. What's my place? What, my, my, me, 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 me. Self-centeredness. God loves the whole world, but God doesn't make the whole world revolve around you. Bump your neighbor and say he's talking about your mama right now. His plans. Be careful, John. Your mom, her mama's sitting right there. His plan for us includes the taking the message of love to the whole world. And that's got to be our focus. If not, we lose our, our passion. Because we just think about me. How does this affect me? For the Bible says that all things work together according to the Lord for my good. How many ever quoted it that way? I did it for years. Everything works together for my good. That ain't what the Bible says. It says the good. And the good is not always your good. Sometimes when God blesses you, He don't have you in mind. He has you in mind so you can bless somebody else. Sometimes He's just trying to get it through you, not to you. The problem is that so many of us are trying to be a teacup. I'm a little teacup, short and stout. Here is my handle. Here is my spout. And we want it to be, I don't want to be, I want to be a reservoir for it to flow in this side but go out this side. I want to be a gutter where I just channel what God sends. I don't want to be a teacup where I just bottle it up and bottle it up because you know what? There comes a time that there's nowhere else to put what you have. So God help me to be a reservoir. Help me to be a gutter. Here comes another one. Reputation. Misdirection. So it shall be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. For even the Son of Man came not to minister unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. If you want to be great in the kingdom, if you want to have passion in the kingdom, serve people. You know, I... uh, I'm not going to use that in case they're watching. But I'm just telling you, serving your fellow man. <laughs> Sister Cavs always pray for me, thank you, Lord. You didn't hear that last prayer what I prayed for him, but Lord, you heard this one. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> but you're, you would be blown away. How many of you maybe served at something and realized that that was a good time. Yeah, everybody. You know, you, you taught a class or you opened the door for somebody. You know, you, you start where you are. You took up an offering. You helped serve in some capacity. That's where it begins, man. When you begin to realize it's not all about me, 
but it's about getting God's power through me. We are too concerned with what others think about us. Our reputation. Here comes the last one. I'm done. Stinginess. Had to go there. We're not taking up another offering. We don't, we don't work that way in this church. But stinginess. But, you know, it's not just your money. Because, honestly, money's cheap to some. What's precious to me? You know, uh, Tom Riles taught me many years ago. When the, when, the, when the Suncoast Parkway came in. And it come in and I said, by God, I pay taxes. I ain't paying to drive on the street. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? It aggravates me. I know how much they take out of my check every week. I don't even know who they are. Who's FICA? I don't know them. I don't know what that organization's about. You know, first time my, 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 old, my youngest daughter got her first paycheck, she said, Daddy, who's FICA? I said, everybody's asking the same question, baby. Nobody knows. She was like, they stole from me. I go, yep, they sure did. They steal it from everybody, baby. It's the biggest racket out there, you know. Nobody knows who they are, but they're there, FICA. But anyway, so I was like, I'm not paying to drive on the street. So here's what Tom asked me one day. He said, he said Pastor, how long does going the long way to Tampa, how long does it take you? Back then, I don't know. It took me about two, two, two and a half hours. I don't know. But he goes, so it takes you two and a half hours one way or two hours one way. But if you took the parkway, it takes you an hour. He said, so how much do you make an hour? I said, $2.50 an hour. Because I work all the time. No, I, He said, is your time worth the money? And I went, wow. Okay. So see, some of us, it, it, would, it would be easier for us to just give money. That's why some people try to spoil your kids but don't give them any of your time. Yes, Lord. Right? Because I can, you know, everybody's like, I'm doing this for the kids. Well, it ain't the kids who have the beach house. <laughs> I'm doing this. Stinginess. I got to quit. That's what happened in Mark 14. For when the woman came and broke the alabaster box, poured the ointment on Jesus' feet, people around said, we could have sold this. That was a waste. Well, no, it wasn't. She gave what she had. You know. So stinginess, whether it be your time or your money. You know, I, I told somebody today, you know, God tells us to give 10%. That's what he tells us. But if you're not there, start where you are. Start where you are and work up to it. Ask God to help you work up to it. And here's another thing. Try giving up your time. You know, we ask, as members, you join the church here, we ask you to, to, to commit to at least an hour and a half of service somewhere every month. It's not much. I mean, two hours and 40 minutes is only 10% of the day. Much less than a month. So ask yourself, where is my passion? Where is my God-focused passion? And if I don't have it, what can I do to get it back?
Stand to your feet with me. It's 8.20. If you have children in you, don't bust up in there. Disrupting them because they have a program also. Most of the time they're waiting on us. But don't bust up in there. Would you just lift your hands with me? God, have your way. In the name of Jesus, Lord, have your way. Just ask yourself some of the questions that I've asked you tonight. Lord, do I have passion in my life? Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it has inspired you like never before. For more information about Crystal River Church of God, how to give, or even our upcoming events, be sure to check us out at crystalrivercog.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. And we will see you next week here at CRCOG.